I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Coronavirus edition. So I've been doing lots of interviews while I've been stuck at home. Uh, but I've not interviewed a lot of artists. I technically did interview Macavada, but here's my first artist who is just an artist and doesn't do other stuff. Is, is an artist. So uh, Mark Tadine is with us. So welcome, Mark Tadine. Or afternoon. Um, well, good afternoon. You are. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I wanted to start from the very beginning, which is how did you first learn about magic? Well, I first learned about magic from, uh, it was actually Anson Maddox. I was working, um, uh, I had just moved to Seattle. And uh, we had been working on the role-playing game for Wizards of the Coast, which was Talislanta. And um, it was uh, one of the first things I was working on commercially. In fact, I had done a sketch or two uh, for, you know, the, the then art director um, while I was still going to school in St. Louis, or I should say after I was going to school. And I had uh, just moved to Seattle, started doing you know, some work for that role-playing game. And only a couple of months later, in either November or December, did the Magic Project come down the uh, come down the pipeline. What, what year is this? What year are you talking about? Oh, uh, this was in 1992. 92, okay. Yeah, November or December of 1992 is when we first got, uh, you know, the pitch from uh, from Jesper Mirforce. So what did you, tell me the pitch. What did Jesper tell you? What, what, what were you doing? Well, uh, Jesper was, you know, of course, he's he's very excited about like you know the, the the project in general. We had done a few things for Talislanta up until that point, and then he said, you know, this is you know this is a pretty incredible game, uh, and he showed me like you know probably at that point some prototypes using some uh, copy paper and um, and cartoons, just you know grabbed from all over the place, like Calvin and Hobbes, uh, some fantasy artwork. And he said, you know, isn't this just the most incredible thing? You like you uh, you play against each other, and you know you've got these small little bits of artwork, and um, it's a very interactive game and very fast, very, um, if I can say the word, maybe twitch. You know, compared to like role playing games, which is which are by their nature very uh, slow, deliberate, but uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, sort of requires a, a more fast-paced approach. And what, from an art standpoint, what were you told? Like, what, what did they need? Well, the at the very beginning, when at least when Jesper was assigning the artwork, uh, they were generally just one-word uh, art descriptions. Just the title of the card. Um, beyond, like, you know, the color and the basic mechanic of that card, it would just be you know, whatever the title was, uh, um, was implying. So there wasn't actually a, a lot of like, you know, specific, uh, description like there is nowadays when you can, you know, receive an entire style guide or, um, a description that was, you know, paragraphs long. Uh, often it was just the title, you know, I'd receive, you know, uh, a sphere of Annihilation, for example, which was actually, you know, based on another property. So, of course, it was renamed, but it was the uh, the flavor of the idea that would just sort of spark an image. And the image was done rather, you know, relatively simply. Uh, often it was one object with one simple background. So are you talking about Neverall Disc? Uh, 
No, Sphere of Annihilation was uh, renamed into Chaos Orb. Oh, Chaos Orb, Chaos Orb, okay. So all the sketches that I have just say Sphere of Annihilation. Okay. And I didn't realize it was actually another property, Sphere of Annihilation, until I was listening to Will Wheaton's um, reading of uh, Ready Player One, and he casually brought up a Sphere of Annihilation in regards to, I think it was a video game of some kind. And I was like, wait, what, what did he say? Did he say Sphere of Annihilation? And then I realized it was from some, it was from something else. Uh, the same thing went with uh, with um, Lord of the Pit was originally just nicknamed Balrog, so I gave across something that was uh, uh, very loosely based on Tolkien, but um, uh, it wasn't the you know the same look, but it had the same as- atmosphere. So, real quickly, just so, for the audience, so you were one of 25 original artists, so Alpha had 25 artists on it, and you did, uh, by my count, 16 cards from Alpha. 16 uh, cards, yes. So, Circle Protection Red, Wall of Swords, Brain Geyser, Time Twifter, Lord of the Pit, Fireball, Wall of Wood, Chaos Orb, mm-hmm. Helm of Chatswick, J- uh, D. Tome, uh, Mana Vault, Neverall's Disc, Soul Ring, Time Vault, uh, Winter Orb, and Wooden Sphere. So what was your favorite? That's right. What was your favorite of your alpha cards? Uh, the favorite of the alpha cards, like at least early on, perhaps was Chaos Orb and Lord of the Pit. I think Lord of the Pit may have, or or Helm of Chatsuk may have either one have been like the first magic card that I worked on. I'm not sure which one I worked on the sketch first or which one was uh, the one that I finished painting. Um, Lord of the Pit was a little bit of a visual holdover from Talislanta because, and people are all, always asking about what that little symbol in the corner was, and I, I just tell people I don't know. It was meant to look like a, like a like a chapter head, of some sort of arcane book, and perhaps this is like you know this creature's family crest. And I had done that with a with a role playing game, and it just was one of those things that carried over. So I'm going to ask you about a few other of your cards, just because some of your cards are very, very iconic magic cards. Um, so Neverall's Disc, do you remember anything about doing Neverall's Disc? Yes, I do. And uh, I remember getting, like, you know, the art descriptions, or I should just say the, the titles of the cards, uh, over the phone with uh, Jesper Mirforce. And he would just go down the line of all the cards, uh, at least all the cards that <clears throat> hadn't been grabbed by somebody else he had talked to previously. And I would just go, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, uh, check, check me out for that one, and we'll come back to it. And uh, through the process of elimination, we actually settled on, you know, a, a couple of cards that generally, like, lean towards red and black, I think, early on. Uh, a lot of artifacts, just because they sounded, uh, sounded interesting. So that, that was pretty much, like, you know, the, the way I had picked those, those early ones. And do you remember the, the drawing of Neverall's Disc? Do you remember what inspired that 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 art? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, the Neverall's Disc. Uh, he had just said the name Neverall's Disc, and I didn't know what he was talking about. He said it was a uh, something that was like you know summoning a creature. So I had a pendant with like you know a little creature coming out of it. Uh, when I actually saw the the card printed, um, either someone told me or I realized that it was a an anagram of Larry Niven. And Larry Niven was a science fiction author uh, of like uh, Ringworld and and all those properties, and um, and I realized that I'd, I'd missed a little bit of an opportunity to do something that was teleportation 
uh, base because uh, Larry Niven's discs would have um, probably been like, you know, close to uh, like transporters, like in, in the far future. And I could have done something that, um, that could have looked like that, but um, you know, it is what it is. And I was very pleased to see that Larry Niven had actually signed some of those, uh, those cards themselves at conventions. And I was just thrilled. Okay, another card, uh, another very famous card of yours, uh, Soul Ring. Do you remember yes. the, the making of Soul Ring? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think if that one was actually named something else. I, I think it may just have been Soul Ring. So, so I, th I was probably coming up with like, you know, a good page and a half of sketches. And I wanted to come up with something that was very, very much tied to... to you know, a sun itself and not so much like a hard um, uh, artifact. Like, you know, I think a lot of like, you know, soul rings have been reinterpreted uh, as like, you know, these things you can either hold or uh, have in front of you. But I thought an interesting idea for an artifact would just be something stellar in size. So if you've ever seen uh, scientific, like, you know, um, images of the sun, usually there's a, a loop coming off of it, a, a, a prominence as they call it. And would it be interesting if like, you know, that loop had disconnected and actually formed a ring and just had become its own, um, its own self-sustaining um, magical effect. And if that could be considered an artifact, well, then all the better. I had done it with, um, you know, pretty fast. It was just done with like probably three colors of uh, watercolor, you know, uh, with the canvas that was, you know, very, very damp. So I was getting all these sort of random effects in watercolor and I was playing with it. And I, it was a it was very fast, but uh, um, I thought it was very effective. And the original itself was actually uh, rather luminous looking. How, how big, how big were these, so people understand, how big were these the illustrations? Uh, these were all five by seven, uh, five inches by seven inches approximately. Uh, there was many reasons for that. Um, the first of all, uh, first off being that uh, I think um, it was much simpler to scan uh, and not tile together in Photoshop. Um, so it was a lot easier for the art director to uh, either scan it or store it or uh, reduce it to another size when it was being processed uh, afterwards. So all those originals are relatively sort of small. Yeah, a lot and, of people uh, don't realize that that, uh, that, that, that the pictures are actually, a lot of them are much, much, much smaller than they think that the, the, original, the originals of them. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, I mean, there's a lot of them that uh, have like this implied detail. But if you saw the original, you could probably spot where things are starting to like, you know, break down. Which is why, like some of those uh, original pieces, um, anytime I see them, them like blown up to a large size, I, I wince a little bit because <laughs> you can see like the pencil marks. You can see like you know where there is lack of detail because again, this is only five by seven. So if you've got somebody in the background with like you know a hand, um, you know maybe they're missing fingers, maybe they're not. Uh, I think one example would probably be uh, time twister. Time twister, uh, I thought like the the main character's face was a little on the uh, undetailed side but if you're you know scaled down to a, a card which is you know 
one third the size of the original, uh, it's not really noticeable. But if you blow it up to poster size, it's very noticeable. So what inspired Time Twitcher? What, what, that art, what, what got you to do that, that pose? That, that, uh... Uh, I had probably done, you know, again, a, a number of sketches and I was having a hard time thinking of how to get across the idea of uh, a time being distorted. Um, so I just kind of fell back onto, you know, having two characters, uh, you know, in a place reacting to some sort of time twisting uh, event. Um, on the right, there's somebody casting the spell, probably drawing power from something that looks like a timepiece and uh, the effect, um, uh, which is this uh, person's armor, you know, being aged and, and like the, uh, and starting to disintegrate. So, um, if it was a uh, if it was a little more abstract, I think it would have been more difficult to to get it across. But I wanted to sort of tell the story that someone was being adversely affected by something called a time twister. Okay, so the one last alpha card I want to ask about, just because this, this is another very iconic image from you, uh, Winter Orb. What what uh, inspired Winter Orb? Yes. Uh, uh, again, that was another another case where I could have just had one object, you know, in the middle. A uh, wooden sphere is a little bit like that. Of course, uh, Chaos Orb is also a spherical uh, um, object. I did the same with Dark Sphere as well. Uh, but I didn't want it to be as much of the focus. I wanted the effect of, like, the Winter Sphere, or, sorry, the Winter Orb, um, to be in the, in the center. And so it's probably why people think that... Uh, that the um, the polar bear, the poor polar bear in the middle, is the, the uh, central to the story. But I just did it for compositional purposes. Um, the winter orb is something that causes a lot of destruction. You know, as the corpses of these poor poor polar bears. I seem to have like this thing against polar bears in the first couple of sets, but uh, that's just by accident. Um, so it's a uh, it's a bit mysterious, you know, why this winter orb is so destructive. But I have done alternate, like you know, takes on the object itself, actually sort of popping claws like Wolverine, <laughs> you know, out of its side, um, a little bit like you know the uh, uh, the a drone that has like you know claws like uh, coming out of it as well. Okay, so I'm I'm going to move on to some some other iconic art you've done later on. So I'm going chronologically here, but. Uh... So the next piece is from Arabian Nights. So this is another super iconic piece of yours, Juzem Jin. What inspired Juzem Jin? Yeah. Well, I, I had thought of uh, uh, the sketch that I had done that I sort of gravitated towards was uh, um, just a simple genie that had massive horns coming out of his uh, um, out of his head, um, and I think that originally because I didn't want to to look too much like uh, um, darkness from the movie Legend, that uh, I would remove his nose. So he actually had like a, a little bit of a, uh, um, a nose that resembled Voldemort's. Mm -hmm. And he, of course he was holding someone who had summoned him uh, by the scruff of his neck. And he was like, you know, having a very intimidating conversation, you know, with, uh, uh, with him. Um, by the way, that is also a card that if you focus on that little guy's hand, it just totally breaks apart. So if it, uh, uh, if you scale that, that piece of artwork up, I would kind of go, oh no, oh no, I, that, that doesn't really work. 
but uh, it's um, uh, it, it's one of my favorite cards. It's uh, people seem to like think it's uh, an early iconic image. I think uh, one of the early video games actually had it on the its cover. Yeah, it, yeah, it did. Okay, next uh, we'll, we'll jump to legends. Uh, Mana Drain, another uh, very famous card that you illustrated. Yes, Mana Drain. Uh, was that from the Dark or was that? That's from Legends. It was from Legends. Oh, that was from Legends. Okay. Yeah, um, and then you also uh, re you in Time Spiral. You you had a card that you sort of uh, made homage to it. Um, yeah, the the, the little uh, uh, shrimp. Yeah. Guy, as I, so what as what what inspired Mana Drain? How did you? Well, uh, that was another card that was going to be very difficult because, you know, early on, the idea of mana, like, hadn't been sort of hashed out what that would look like uh, beyond, like, you know, just, like, the, the five colors. So instead, I, I tried to pull in some of the uh, the aspects of, like, the lands um, to, um, I don't know, to imply that... Uh, um, something was pulling power from another uh, another color. So I had something that was like red that was also pulling something out of, you know, something that was red, which in this case could have been a, an undersea mountain or volcano, uh, hence the, the, the lava. And by the way, he's got five tentacles poking in, which could perhaps uh, imply that, uh, or at least refer to like the, the, the pente, the, the five colors. Yeah. Um, I had underwater, which was, you know, blues and greens. Um, I guess not so much of green, but um, you've also got, like, you know, white light coming from above. So I was trying to include, like, the, the colors of the mana, but uh, um, the specific, uh, um, one kind of specific mana uh, wasn't really there. So um, it's not so much about the creature, but uh, rather the, what it is drawing from or what sort of, like, you know, land it is drawing from. So one of the things that's interesting for artists is how you don't know when you draw, like, what, what's going to end up being the popular cards, right? Because it has a lot to do with what the card is versus what the art is. Um, yeah. Is it... I mean, Jude Sam Jim, for example, you like the art a lot and went on to be a really big card. Um, that's It's nice when, when those two overlap. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember, does Jude Sam Jim have, like, a particular power that, that made the card sort of attractive to the players? Or? Yeah, yeah. It, at the time, it was a very powerful creature. We made creatures much more powerful. It's nowhere near as powerful as it once was. But in its day, it was a very powerful card. Okay, so now I want to jump ahead to Ice Age. So, by the way, you've illustrated, by my count, 189 cards. Is that close to right? Uh, it could be. Actually, I, I'm not sure like which ones are repeats. But uh, I thought it was at uh, somewhere upwards of almost or around 200. But... Uh... Well, also, this is only stuff that's out, so you also might have done some stuff that isn't public yet, so... Right, that's true. Um, okay, so next one I want to talk about is another super iconic piece of yours, Necropotence. Necropotence, yes. So what, how, how'd you end up, what inspired Necropotence? Well, um, uh, I remember when I received, like, you know, the, uh, uh, the, um, the assignment or assignments uh, for Ice Age, it was, you know, I, I had done, like, you know, quite a few cards, like, in, you know, some of those early sets... Uh, but Ice Age was one that uh, uh, that I had done at least, was it 9, 10, 11? 11 cards for. So besides, like, you know, Alpha, it was one of those sets that uh, um, I had done a lot more. Uh, and part of the assignment uh, sort of, had sort of overlapped into 
I think a um, a trip that many people who are working at Wizards uh, were going to um, the first uh, Toy Fair in uh, in New York City. Uh, I think it was called uh, New York Toy Fair. Yeah, New York Toy Fair. Yeah. And I was I was really excited to go, but uh, I you know I had deadlines, so I had to like uh, uh, stick uh, to those deadlines. And I remember taking at least a, a batch of cards to finish, you know, relatively fast. And I think it was uh, Necropotence, Naked Singularity, and uh, Naked Naked Talisman, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and I had um, I had to finish that in the hotel when I first arrived in New York. It was my first uh, trip to New York City, and I was excited to get out there and, and go see things. But uh, I had this deadline, so I, I think for a, a good 48 hours, I was trying to fiercely finish uh, finish painting those um, those three cards. So um, Necropotence was, um, was done as simply as I could do. It was, you know, again, a relatively small image, five by seven. Um, but I think I ended up doing it with, uh, with watercolor, a little bit of gouache, and there's even a little bit of ballpoint pen in there. Interesting. Um, you could probably <laughs> see it when it's blown up, like, uh, fairly large. I wouldn't recommend, like, you know, uh, doing something, uh, like that again, but I was actually pretty pleased with how the final turned out, uh, because I was able to put specific tones and details in with, uh, with a medium that was... Uh, probably, you know, I, I probably wouldn't do it the same way uh, nowadays. But um, there was a sketch, you know, in the sketch phase, you know, before I'd come to New York, I was having a, a hard time coming up with an idea that would sort of encapsulate the idea of uh, powerful death, which the name implies. So I ended up at first having what would be considered maybe a reverse wake. There were all these like sort of Harry Potter, like, you know, candles floating in midair and what looked like these uh, zombies um, uh, raising the dead from like this crypt. Um, I didn't think it sort of like sold the idea uh, well enough, fast enough. So in this, this case, I just put a skull with like some power emanating from his hand. Um, and uh, uh, I thought that sort of, got the idea across a little faster, a little better. Yeah, also, uh, that's another card where we, you, you got to do another version of it. Uh, in um, Unhinged, we had uh, Necro Impotence, and we, yeah. had, we had you do... Do, 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 you, do you like doing parodies of your own stuff? Is that fun for you, or...? Oh, I love it. Oh, that, that, was a, that was a fun one to work on. Um, the, the Unhinged and some of the unsets were, uh, were fun because you get to sort of... Uh, um, uh, yeah, you parody like you know your own work because you know i don't take my work extremely seriously uh so uh in that case i just had like you know the the sense that like you know his power was failing and i even put a, like a symbol on his forehead that uh that uh had a uh, um like a um what was like the the, the symbol for male in, in, in greek oh, okay i had sort of like bending down so I, I don't want to make it, you know, too, uh, uh, too offensive to like people of all, of all ages, but, uh, I, I thought it got across the, uh, the idea of the, the, the power of death, but it was failing a little, a little bit. 
So at this point, just a little, a little background for the audience. Um, you and I actually worked together because you came to work for Wizards for a little while. So let's, yes. let's talk about that. So, um, so you joined, basically, um, Michael Ryan and I had pitched the Weatherlight Saga, and uh, they put together a team, our very first world-building team, essentially. Um, and you, you and Anson and I uh, remember all everybody. But anyway, you guys came in, and uh, you guys were off in Siberia. I think that's what we called the room. And you guys were design. You designed. Um, it was for um, Tempest Block, right? That that's the the word. You guys sort of built the world of Wrath. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, then it started like in in ninety seven. Uh, yeah, the, uh, right after Weatherlight. Um, I don't think that Homelands was was included uh, with that that concepting, but you know, starting with like you know Urza's saga, I think it was Urza's saga. Well, Tempest was the first set. I think you guys came in and you built Wrath, which was in Tempest, and then you oh, were right. you were around was through the first one. Right, it was Tempest, and then you were there through Urza's saga block. Um, so what was that like working working at Wizards? Well, it was like the first time that I had uh, done you know a, a concepting push. In this case, it was a concepting push that, you know, had uh, that uh, stuck around for like a, a for a few years. Uh, I had to sort of scale back the number of cards that I had um, that I had done for the sets, but at the same time, I got to formalize uh, a lot of the uh, the world building. And so I worked with uh, with Anthony Maddox, uh, my good friend um, uh, Anthony Waters, uh, a fabulous um, visual designer. Uh, it came on a, a little bit later, but we had started with like the core group uh, under Jesper with uh, with uh, Matt Wilson, uh, Anson, myself. Um, later, they brought on uh, Dave and Chippy, who's uh, Brian Dugan and, and uh, Dave Alsop, uh, for a lot of the Phyrexian designs uh, because mm-hmm. they had sort of they had you know for the first time tried to nail down what Phyrexia was, even though there were a few references before, even like, you know, my, uh, what was it? Phyrexian priest. Um, there really, really wasn't a, uh, um, uh, sort of a, a locked down vision of like, you know, what machine and, and like flesh was supposed to look like. So they did a great job of, uh, of, of hammering that out. Uh, Sam Wood, um, Matt Cavato, uh, a little bit later, Todd Lockwood, um, and um, and a few other people uh, came on, like you know, uh, in the ensuing years at uh, what they had originally called Spine Design, mm-hmm. almost like a sort of a, a design group within Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and yeah, we, we worked in an area called like Siberia after we quickly realized that the working in the cubicles with a, a lot of the other people was just going to be uh, too distracting. Um, we, you know. It was good to like put us in a room where we could just uh, uh, feed off of each other's ideas uh, and uh, take a look at like what, what each of us was doing. So we put together style guides, um, tried to formalize like you know what the look and feel of, of magic was. You know, at least from that point on, uh, it's a it's a lot more streamlined uh, nowadays. Uh, the uh, the uh, the style guides don't ramble on as much as we probably had done early on, but. Um, uh, you know, we went into, you know, all the, the story meetings with uh, with you guys. We tried to hammer out ways of converting, like, a, a storyline into uh, visual ideas and making them recognizable, you know, based through color, the colors of magic, you know, the, the creature types. Um, 
I think earlier, like uh, um, um, the uh, the look and feel of like you know certain creatures like goblins uh, needed to be sort of uh, sort of hammered down. Um, so there were you know it was it was all over the place, but uh, it was a lot of fun because uh, the end result was that magic had been you know sort of transformed visually into something that was more amenable to uh, a consistent storyline. Yeah, I mean, that was the first time that we really had a consistent look and feel. Like, one of the things you guys did also is you did all the character work, right? The The Weatherlight crew had a cast, and, mm-hmm. and you guys did, like, I, did you design Karn? Was that your design? Uh, Karn was my design, yeah. So, um, when I got all the... Uh, uh, um, uh, the, the teasing for, like, the way that uh, I had done Karn uh, for one of the more recent sets, I think it was Double Masters uh, of last year, I, I was uh, I was thinking, well, hold on. I, I actually, like, you know, did the first version of him. I, maybe I, I brought too much of his early look into the uh, into the artwork. But uh, he, he was, like, a, a fairly mopey character, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the Eeyore of the group. <laughs> and um, so h- having him, like, uh, express any sort of, like, emotion, I guess, was a little too shocking for some people. Yeah. So we're almost uh, we're almost out of time here. I'm almost almost to my desk, if you will. Um, so looking back, you've done over 200 magic cards. Um, so you, earlier on, you said one of your favorites was Juzem Jin. Is that your all time favorite illustration you've done, or is there another one that's your favorite magic illustration? Ah, uh, the all time. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of them that I I found it was uh, it was a lot more fun to to paint it. Uh, Leviathan was also a good one, just because it, it came out, you know, how I'd, I'd sort of pictured it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know, Emrakul was, was an early favorite, because I had, it was one of the first pieces I had done that was, uh, that was sort of on the larger side. How big, how big was the illustration? I think it was like a, um, 11 by 17 or 11 by 14. Oh wow, that's, that is big. Well, well, at the time, like it was, um, uh, it was me scaling up the work because, like I said, I was doing all those like five by seven images and probably like uh, some eight by tens. But uh, doing a larger piece was uh, was something that I hadn't really tackled before. So one last card I like just because it's a it's a very beautiful card and there's a lot of detail in it. Uh, the Antiquities War. Sorry, the the Antiquities War. Yeah, it's the um, it's the saga that's vertical. Oh, the sorry, sorry. Yeah, actually, I've I've I've, I've got it here in the studio. So, yeah, I, that, how did that one come about? Because that 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 is uh, there's a lot in it. There's if you really look closely, it's there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the art director um, wanted me to sort of return back to the uh, um, to the design sort of feel of um, of like the Urza saga, and I was pulling. I, I designed Urza and some of his early accoutrements, although it has it has been updated to sort of. Um, some of the uh, uh, updates have, are sort of showing up as the uh, as the uh, uh, automaton, like at the bottom of the uh, the screen. Um, but I got to t- sort of uh, have uh, a depiction between, like you know, the two brothers, uh, all their mechanisms that uh, they commonly use, and also to uh, depict the soul stone. I think it was the soul stone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the the weak stone and the uh, um, might stone. Yeah, yeah, the might stone. Uh, being, you know, that that first singular look. I don't think it had been depicted consistently, 
you know, it always sort of varied, kind of like Sauron's ring from something you hold in your hand to the size of a skull. Mm-hmm. So in this case, um, it's just them, you know, about to pry it off uh, using like the, they're these different me- mechanisms that sort of show the style of both Urza and Mishra. So any final memories? I mean, you've worked, like, like you and I, uh, actually, you've, you've worked on magic longer than I've worked on magic because I've only worked on magic for 25 years. Um <laughs> What, what do you have any favorite memory? What 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 do you think when you think back to your many many years of working on magic? What what is your favorite memory? Uh, favorite memory, of course, is uh, you know just meeting a lot of like the other artists who I admire uh, you know tremendously. Um, uh, not everybody like you know lived in the same area, but like quite a few did. Um, uh, quite a few who had uh, gone to school at Cornish, uh, Julie Barrow, of course, uh, and. Uh, um, Getting to work with my my best friend since uh, childhood, uh, Anson Maddox, um, when the game had just started, you know, even before it had come out, uh, I have a fond memory of painting on um, uh, Anson's uh, uh, apartment floor, trying to like you know crank out as many images as we could within the like the deadline given to us. Uh, um, you said that I had done 16 pieces for, uh, for, for Alpha. Alpha. Yeah. Uh, Anson had actually done 30. Wow. <laughs> um, one reason was that I think there were some cancellations or changes at the last minute, and usually uh, Jesper Mirforce would uh, give those to um, those last-minute changes to Anson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would uh, just knock them out of the park. And it was a very heavy time, you know, our first one of our first sort of commercial jobs uh, for a role-playing game company. Um, and, um, uh, it, it was just, uh, it's been a wild ride since then and it never, it never fails to amaze. And, uh, um, and, uh, no, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's interesting, uh, so according to my research here, there's only three artists, you, Ron Spencer and Rob Alexander that worked at the beginning of magic that still now, you know, do, do art. And so, uh, you, you, I mean, it's funny that, uh, you really are one of the sort of the, 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 the marathon runners of magic art that have, that have uh, gone the distance for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, I think that, that Mark Poole uh, is also like one of those uh, really early artists that, uh, that still, you know, do some, some really nice work. Well, that is true. Uh, that is true. I had taken sort of a break uh, um, for, you know, a, a, a few years. Um, I didn't uh, get the call like uh, for a while, but uh, uh over the past, like, you know, a few years, you know, doing either some reboots of old artwork, um, you know, redoing, like, the Soul Ring in a way that sort of harkened back to the original card and mm-hmm. doing it in a new way. Uh, uh, it just, it gives you, like, a, a, a chance to grow, and uh, I'm very, I'm very uh, um, thankful for that. Well, I want to thank you for being with us. This has been very fun, and uh, I like the interviews showing off lots of different parts of magic, so it's really fun to show off the art the art side of it because that that's a big big part of the game and, and uh you know you've been part of the art for since the beginning so thank you for being with us thank you mark thank you for having me on and, and uh everybody stay safe out there so guys i'm at my desk so we all know what that means it means it's the end of my drive to work so instead of talking magic it's time for me to be making magic so thank you so much mark and everybody again i'll see you all next time